I went to uh, confession this last weekend, and the father we have the, the pastor there, um, Father. We just like went off on like conservative. Is that Catholics, right? The in the booth or face to face? In the confessional. Oh, that is so. That happens. Yeah. That is so great. Well, I, was like, I am so jealous. I'm not supposed to talk about it necessarily, but I'm, oh I was, yeah, that's true. Just but it's I'm divulging, so I'm fine. But I'm, I'm like I basically was like you're just telling what happened, but yeah. not specifically what. Well, said. specifically. Yeah. But basically, I was just like I think it's telling from my perspective of the state of my heart where I'm willing to get into these debates with mm. conservative or like rad trad like the radical traditionalist Catholics and he's like, ah, we just went off on like, they're not really traditional. They're not really radical. They have like this nostalgia for a bygone time and their conservatism is like more about the rules and less about like love and encountering Christ. And he sounds really well read and and really thoughtful. Super. his name again? Uh, Father. He's awesome. Awesome. Welcome to Conversation on Tap, an awesome podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Pulp a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we talk about all the topics that you were told not to discuss in polite company. My name is Joel. And my name is Jose. And this week, we will be talking about cults. So fun. But first, let's talk about what we have on tap. Jose, what'd you bring? So, in keeping with our... Desire to drink lagers. I brought a red lager from Figaro Mountain Brewing. Lager. Lager. Like we're just, <laughs> I'm sorry. But actually, lagers is more definitely blue collar than white collar. It is. What, what, what like a Budweiser? And yeah, Those are, absolutely. Okay. Blue collar beer, lagers. Blue collar. None of this other. So anti-elitist here. Fave <laughs> IPA bullshit. <laughs> but this is like an elitist lager for yeah. sure. Because it's totally red. Yeah. It's so good, though. Yeah. Here, cheers. It's, so good. It's sweet. Mm-hmm. It's like not... I feel like I drink some lagers, like, well, to go with the cores and, yeah. you know, Budweiser examples. It's like almost bitter. I don't know. Yeah, it's bad. This is super um, red. That's mm-hmm. why it's called Danish red. It's and, literally, literally red. Yeah, and it's not really bitter for those of you who are just sick of all the hops in IPAs, but man, is it flavorful. Oh, man. Love it. We I, I get this night for dinner, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Where'd you guys go? We just ate, drank it here, and um, it was just mm, so good. But Chris and I often, when we go to Buellton, mm-hmm. to that place, we go, we get Danish red almost exclusively. Let's go. I haven't been in a long time. I know. We should go. Christine has never been. Oh, come on. And then, you know, uh, what is it, Fridays or Saturdays, the live mm-hmm. bands they have there oh. in that out- outdoor section? Man, yeah. we are not getting paid by Figueroa. No, but their beer is so good. Mm-hmm. Ah, so good. Let's yeah. Cheers again to that. Cheers. That's awesome. They're good. And now for the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Joel and I will each share one thing that we are passionate about for two minutes, though we tend to be a bit long-winded, so that isn't a strict time limit. This week, I will discuss a recent Pew poll. This was kind of a poll done by, um, like I said, by the Pew Research Center that disturbs American Catholics greatly. The poll found that 69% of Catholics believe that the bread and wine, the Eucharist, are just symbols and not actually the transubstantiated body and blood of Christ, if that makes sense. Jose, you talk so sneeringly of them, (laughs) and I say, of course, they don't believe in magic. Well, it's not magic, it's... (laughs) But to me it is. Right, right, right. But anyway, this is so interesting that we're talking about this, and this is so fun. It's Catholics, though, who should know that when we do the communion rite, when we go through the liturgy, the substance, even though the bread and wine are obviously bread and wine. And you can test, and there have been tests, to to show that the molecular structure doesn't change. Right, because you're looking only at what they call the accidents, 
the physical. Oh, but, I've never heard that term. The accidents? Right. So it's like the physical. That's a different way of using that word. It's um, like a more philosophical right. term. Mm-hmm. So the, it's just the physical. So, yeah, if you were to break it down and look at it, of course it's going to be bread. But it's like the substance, mm-hmm. which you cannot look at, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, you can't put it in a microscope and see it. Like if you were to like test the, the body and blood of Christ, you wouldn't be able to, you would see flesh. Right. You wouldn't see like divinity. It's almost sense. like the essence, I guess, is, is the essence. The essence, it. correct. Mm-hmm. It's that, that unseen grace that's right. invisible to the human eye. But see, so, if it doesn't change molecularly, how then is it truly his blood and his body? That's what's right. interesting. I know the essence idea. I get right, that. Right. But then that is, that to me, the word essence is almost symbolic, I guess. Well, symbolic would be like, this is kind oh, okay, of yeah, a okay. representation. Okay, yeah. So, like, if I were to, like, take a piece of Christ's flesh and put it in a microscope, you wouldn't be able to break it down to that point. Right. But this is, a, a like, a central belief of Catholicism. Oh, yeah. And 69% of Catholics don't. So, you piss? It. I'm a little perturbed just because it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Nice word. Yes. Like you co every... Well, actually, I have to say, that's just general Catholics. Yeah. Among Catholics who go every week, that number shrinks to, it's a third. Okay. So it drops. Okay. That's a big chunk, but yeah, that sounds about but right. That still means people who are going to Mass every week still don't get it. But I want to talk to those people. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing when you're sitting there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you don't believe, you're spending a lot of time. So this has sent shockwaves to the church regardless. And, it's and like, by the way, the pew is very reliable. Very reliable. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are we doing wrong mm-hmm. to where Catholics can go to Mass every week or aren't going to Mass? That's a whole other thing. Like for every person who joins a Catholic church, six are leaving. Yeah, but so would you have them not come? No. So you're okay I would with want, them coming. I want people to come, but we as a church, especially in the American church, need to do a better job with catechesis. We all need to do a better job evangelizing the people who are there. Yeah, Because we have unconverted Catholics who are sitting in our pews. But what if they knew everything that you knew and they still chose to believe that? I mean, I assume there's a big chunk of those people who just can't... There they is. Can't get past. The, the poll said 23% who know the church teaches and still right. said they don't believe it. Yeah. Huh. So that's, a, that's one in five. I think that there's enough. I think that actually speaks really well for Catholicism because there's enough going for it where you can just completely ignore a huge tenet right. and still, still find don't. enough, you know, mm-hmm. to, to feed your soul. It's a rich faith. There's so mm-hmm. many yes. facets to it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I just think that we need to do a better job catechizing, do a better job evangelizing yeah. our own people. So it's like we talk about missions, like we send people out on a mission to go convert other people or to evangelize other people. Mm-hmm. We need to like pull in the reins a bit and start yeah. evangelizing our own people. How would first. that happen? How would that, what would that look like practically? Practically? Yeah. We need to in better. In church? In church or engaging people outside of church. So it's mm-hmm. like. Hey, let's have a small group study. Like, hey, come to this events to build community yeah. rather than like, well, I went to church on Sunday. I checked my box. I'm good. I'll see you next Sunday kind of a thing. Yeah. I got, I'm going to tell you, I don't think it's going to work. It would. It, I don't think it would work. Yeah. I think pretty much all those people, I think they just are going to discount that bit and just go with everything. They're cafeteria Catholics, just yeah. like every denomination has cafeteria, right. Lutherans, Methodists, everything. I got a question for you. This I'm not religious anymore, but do you ever sit there after getting communion or watching people go up mm. and you feel super peaceful okay. at that moment? Yeah. I do, it's like I do too. an infusion of grace. It's like... Yes. I just love, whether it's in a Catholic church or a Lutheran church, right. watching everybody going up to get communion. And usually mm. there's songs playing and right. you're sitting there. It's super contemplative mm-hmm. and it's peaceful. And, yeah. and because... So many people think it's so sacred. It's a real moment of, of holiness, right? right? But for me, it's not really holy. It's just a moment of, of high importance. Right. And you can feel it. Yes, you can. That the people think it's so important. It's, so I would say like you could feel like the presence of God in the room. With right. This. That's how. Yeah. But, and I think maybe if you don't necessarily believe that, you definitely can feel that people believe that. I can't believe I've never asked anybody that. I want to ask Krista and, and all my friends because I think most people feel so 
happy. It's like you just watching everybody walking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it, it, for people that are not have never been religious. They probably have no idea no what clue. we're talking about, right. yeah. which sure. is sad. I mean, is, I'm not religious anymore, but that is a fun part of church. Yeah, that's mine. That is so cool. I, in my desire to continue talking about um, psychology and psychological studies, I want to talk about my master's thesis, which um, I'm going to go get it and you can edit this out. Yeah. I want to- My master's thesis, which was called Self-Paced Learning and Its Effects on Motivation. I want to talk about something that has always bugged me as a teacher. And I just have keyed on it in my master's thesis. And as a teacher, I suck at it. And I'm really embarrassed. And I'm going to try to change this year. And it is called contingency. In education, contingency is the idea that if a student is trying hard, but sees no effects from this effort, they will give up, basically, which makes perfect sense. And students that do see rewards from their effort will continue, obviously, their effort. And let me ask you, do you ever see students try hard, but still not make it, not do well in education? Yes, only when they're students who maybe are are trying really hard when they don't have a language or yes. a skill set, and they can still fail. Exactly. And there is in education, and these are the students that I'm thinking, I don't know what percentage there are, but to me, it's heartbreaking that we, we have kids who try hard. Well, they do at first, but they will start to quit. Right. And then when they don't see results, and they won't see results because they truly don't have the background and the tools, has nothing to do with their intelligence or their hard work. It just has to do with they don't have the background necessary. And in education, I think we're screwing up with those kids. Right. And it bugs me. So contingency is something I'm going to work on this year. I know this, and I still continue to fail kids who try hard and don't have the tools. And it's because I was raised to say, oh, but we have to treat all these kids equally. You know, because it's not fair for this kid who's smart, you know, or it's not fair for this kid who's trying hard Mm -hmm. to get an A, uh, to get a C or to get, you know, less than a B. And um, I don't know. I just, I'm trying to equalize everything and we should be a little bit more forgiving, flexible for kids who don't have the tools. So like I used to not give our English language learner kids um, enough benefit in my grading. And grading, it's so stupid. We teachers often realize it's so stupid, but kids take it to heart, man. They They take grades to heart. That's their main motivator, or at least one of them. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's what I'm going to work on this year. So what do you you mean? Like, would you say like, okay, you... I don't know yet how tech... Because it has to be consistent, right? Yeah, it's like you're you're an ELD student. You're actually trying. You're working hard. Hmm. You're failing. Thank you. You can't get less than a C. Right. I need to suss it out. Uh, maybe that. Maybe instead, because those go. What if I do this? What if I say, instead of giving you an academic grade, a grade you get on the tests, right. I'm going to give you an effort grade, but make that grade the academic. In our school, like most schools, for all you listeners, you probably know the academic grade is what counts. That's the GPA right. grade. We also give an effort grade. Maybe I make the effort grade the academic grade. If they're trying hard, yeah. if they are trying like A hard mm-hmm. or B hard, I'm going to give them an A or B. Well, so for grading, when you enter the grade, there's a list of codes. I always, yeah, you could that use code. the code that says code right. does not reflect standards. Or and I haven't in the past. I haven't, I've given them certain breaks on tests and my reading requirement to read 40,000 words uh, a quarter. And, and, and I've lessened that for them because it's hard for them. Yeah. But I need to go farther. Yeah. What did you do anything for like EO kids? I'm gonna or have for to this lower year. kids. Because this is why do you have I've kids? had honors kids in the past. Right. So now I have like my third period, for example, I have three students who don't speak English at all. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to figure out I have to make different lessons, I have to incorporate different ways for them to demonstrate knowledge. Yeah. It's gonna be a challenge for me this year, but yeah, it's a good challenge. I need to flex my muscles. But um, no, you you make a good point. And, and, and these kids who they try hard, they're maybe they're immigrants. Right, and they don't speak English very well, and they're struggling, but they fail. Even though 
those kids work really hard. They're yeah. polite. They behave, generally mm-hmm. speaking. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, they're like, I'm not going to get a good grade in this. So yeah. I give up. I'm just going to clown oh, around. I can't believe it's taken me so long to, to realize that, you know, you've got to reward kids who try hard, even if they yeah. fail tests. But how you do that is the, Yes, that's, I, that's the hard part. And I think... Because you've got to be consistent. Yeah, you have to be consistent, but I think there's also this idea where we have to treat kids equally. Mm-hmm. And there's this cartoon mm-hmm. or comic strip that I saw, and you may have seen it too, where it's like on the left side it says treating kids equally. And there's a tall fence, and all the kids are looking, trying to look over the fence, right? And the taller kid can see, the medium-sized kid has to be on his tippy toes, smaller kid, out of luck. Right. Right? That's being equal. Right. But then there's fairness. Right. And so the tall kid can see over... But the other kids have different sized boxes yeah. that they're standing on to look over. Yep. That's a great analogy. I love that. I'm going to totally use that. So they can all see over the fence, mm-hmm. but they need extra support. Right. And it's just because education, even though we teachers are generally pretty progressive, we are still stuck in the past. Yeah. I mean, we don't generally, well, I mean, one of the, things that we could talk about is the name of my my thesis which is self-paced learning which which would solve this because in education we have to continue to to move on to the next subject whether a third of our class missed it or a tenth of our class failed the Mm -hmm. the subject we just don't have enough time to go back and teach those kids and with technology it's becoming a little easier for for self-pacing and maybe in the future Self-pacing will be more viable, but right now it's still, it's really hard. We have some self-pacing programs like Imagine Learning and and, and Achieve 3000, but it's still too hard to do it. It's a tough one. Yeah. Right. Anyway, that is contingency. Contingency. Mm-hmm. These boots are made for walking, and that's just what they'll do. One of these days, these boots are going to walk all over you. So our main topic today is cults, which I have always had just a deep, deep fascination. I think it was when I was a kid, I watched PBS um, doing a frontline or some kind of um, documentary on Jim Jones's cult mm. in Guyana yeah. or French Guyana. Jones, Jonestown. Jonestown. And just watching this, I was a, a little kid. And watching how the people drank the Kool-Aid and, oh my goodness, it just floored me. And I totally think it has something to do with my loss of faith, for instance. Mm-hmm. And I totally um, equate certain aspects of Christianity and all religions with cults. And um, the total willingness of human beings. I mean, this is really what cults do for me, is they drive home the fact that humans, they don't care about logic. They just care about emotion. They care about feelings. They care about belongingness, because that's a huge part of cults. Mm -hmm. And man, cults are huge. And I just, I'm fascinated. So looking online, I'm looking at uh, The Guardian, and they have an article on cults. Um, The article's titled... Watch Out for Telltale Signs by Rick Ross. And he lists three features of cults that I think are useful. One, you have a charismatic leader. I wanted to ask you to give these uh, definings because I want to ask, and I apologize, I'm so bad at interrupting, whether the religions, I'm going to go, each time you say one, I'm going to ask, do religions, um, do they fit that um, definition? So the first one was what again? Like a charismatic leader who becomes the object of worship. Okay. Like Um, a pope is not necessarily worshipped. No. Um, a living leader who has no accountability and becomes the single defining element of the group and its source of power and authority. Okay, right. So, so if you look at like Jonestown, right? It was Jim Jones, the Reverend Jim Jones, right? Yeah, he was. So he, w- and then you look at the Branch Davidians, yeah, with David Koresh and so on, and you look at um, Scientology, right? Right. There's um, L. Ron Hubbard, Hubbard, and then. Now there's um, David Miscavige. Oh, that's this, right. This guy has total authority, yep. absolute authority over everything. Yep. His wife has been missing for a number of years. and Are she, you kidding? 
So I'm assuming maybe she went too far in some of her criticisms, and now she's been kind of tucked away. Gosh, I hope they're investigating because I feel like sometimes cults just get away with stuff under the pretense of religion. The freedom and of religion, the freedoms that cult uh, that religions get. Yeah, yeah. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Yeah, and we, we do have to talk about um, how Trump, uh, certain Trump followers are cultish yes, in there for sure because logic does does not play a part in in their devotion no. to him. So the first one is charismatic leader. Okay. The second. So I don't think, by the way, any religions really follow that. So secondly, second one, a process of indoctrination or education that's coercive through brainwashing. Okay. Now, you could say that uh, when you raise a kid in a religion, you're brainwashing. So that is super subjective, right? It's subjective. And how many kids who are raised in a religion are able to to escape that religion? I mean, very few. I would say it's less than 10%. But maybe it's more. Maybe it's... I I think now it's becoming more likely that the young people are not following Mm -hmm. because they're following kind of the, the secular sort of... Yeah. mindset right the more scientific trying to be following reason or logic right and abandoning but like what would be some serious techniques of brainwashing like for for sure you hear about what's it called when you keep on repeating the same phrase again and again oh, mantras yeah like mantra yeah, so yeah mantras are huge uh rituals are huge right. for indoctrination and brainwashing Fear mm-hmm. is the probably the biggest one. You're going to take the parents away. You're going to actually right. punish them physically. But, yeah, that doesn't happen in any uh, mainstream religious so church. So the difference, though, would be like, so, for example, Jews, Christians, especially Catholics, we say you have an obligation to raise your child in the faith, to right. teach them. Right. But there's always that sense of ultimately when you reach the age of accountability or age of reason – it's on you right. to complete your – it's like with Catholics, we have confirmation. Um, with Jews, they've got their bar mitzvahs or mm-hmm. bat mitzvahs, mm-hmm. right? And so you own it at that point. And so you can see like so with Catholics, for example, they're like, okay, I was confirmed and I'm done. They, tra- they sort of treat confirmation like high school graduation, right? And they sell one to church. Well, Yeah, that's a common problem. And the same thing, I'm sure, might happen. Or is it a problem, or is it a really feather in the cap of Catholic Church for for giving the freedom? It could go either way. So right. you could say we're giving you this freedom to continue, or mm-hmm. the freedom to turn your back. Right. But a cult would say like your whole life is right. here. Right. If you leave, you're ostracized. Right. If you leave, you're shunned. Basically. Right. No one can contact you. No one can talk to you. You're no longer part of our community. Yep. And the biggest part problem is, of course, parents that mm-hmm. just shun their kids. That, to me, is the worst part. Yep. And then the third one is economic, sexual, or other exploitation of members by the leader and ruling cautery. So that would be like, look at some of these cults, like maybe with David Koresh, for example. And he just has, like, free reign over all the women. You look at some of these, like, fundamentalist Mormon groups. And they're like marrying teenagers right. and having children with all of them. And right. It's like prima nocta or whatever. Like, Yeah. What a great uh, recruiting technique for uh, fundamentalist Mormons to uh, say you get as many uh, young wives as you want. <laughs> as you want. I know. Polygamy or whatever. Not that I want to bash Mormons, but that FLDS, that fundamentalist yeah. Right. No. Mormons, version. mainstream Mormons are, I mean, you cannot knock how much they help society they go out and actually do works yeah the mormons they're they're super nice they're, now let me want to meet super nice yeah what about tithing does that is that economic um, and i know catholics don't push tithing we, we already tithing. discussed that yeah but some fundamentalist churches totally demand true it. so yeah. that's kind of like a, a slight um that qualifies slightly for some Christian churches. Right, where it's like, how much money do you make? Okay, mm-hmm. automatically you have to give us 10% or you're you know, cut off or what have you. Yeah, I don't see any mainstream, even really fundamentalist churches. No, probably the most fundamentalist churches really, really stigmatize you and castigate you if you leave mm-hmm. or if you question too much. But for the most part... They don't. I mean, because a, r- a real hardcore atheist would always say, "Oh, all Christianity is a cult," and right. I don't know if they really fit. I've honest. had people who will say to me, "Like, 
Well, all Christianity um, brainwashes. Well, yeah. I'm sure maybe some parents might. All parents brainwash. brainwash. You could say all education is brainwashing. True, because you're educating. What would you say is the difference between education and brainwashing? Um, your five senses. Your five senses and evidence are, and being able to use your five senses. Of course, I trust a bunch of science that I could never test with my own five senses, but that's because there would have to be such a massive conspiracy to make it almost unbelievable that right. that conspiracy could be happening. Like, let's say some people that don't believe in the moon being actually landed upon. Right. Or the flat earth, right? Right. So there we go. We have a charismatic leader who is the object of worship, the process of brainwashing, and three, economic, sexual, or other exploitation. That's what it means to be in a cult. So what are some examples of cults? So you already mentioned um, Jim Jones of Jonestown in Jonestown. Guyana. Do you remember, did you watch a documentary on this? Or Yeah, it was, I'm almost positive it was PBS back in the 70s, maybe early 80s. And um, they have footage of the bodies and the people drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, was that where that idiom comes from, drinking the Kool-Aid? I think it does. Yeah. I think so too. So he, he laced the Kool-Aid with cyanide. Yeah. But uh, I don't even know what his beliefs were, what the so basics he, were on that. He created his own cult or his own group called the People's Temple. That's in, right. In 1955. But, and it's one of those groups where ostensibly it seems like they're doing good works, right? So he had a clinic. He advocated oh. for civil rights. There were homes for the elderly. But... In addition to that, there was also this idea that, um, what is it, that he was kind of like almost like a god on earth or like a prophet that was worthy of being worshipped. Exactly. I'm trying to see here. Yeah. So he ordered his followers to drink a cyanide-laced drink, Kool-Aid, resulting in the loss of 909 lives. So. That's crazy. That is a lot of people. Almost a thousand people. Sheesh. That's a third of the people who died on 9-11. That is... It's got to be the biggest mass death in cult history. And there have been a lot of them. There have been a lot of them. Yeah. So what's this next one? Then we have the Branch Davidians. If you remember this? Well, this one is, uh, there's a documentary like on Netflix or something right now. It happened in Waco. And the problem with this one is, yeah, they're, the kids and, and some of the people in this cult were, um, were being abused mm -hmm. and taken advantage of. But then they actually burned alive. Right. Oh, so man. I, I FBI? Was it CIA? It was FBI, the right? ATF. Was or it, ATF. Was it, okay, it, that's right. It was ATF. It was ATF. Man, did they screw up on that one. So I think the government screwed up on that. But I had this conversation the other day with my wife. And uh, I maybe I'm cynical. But I'm like, this is not charitable of me at all. But my response was, I don't really feel sorry for them. The kids, the kids you feel sorry for. But the, That's who I feel sorry okay, for. Okay, yes. I, I don't feel the, sorry for. The adults for. who started everything, I don't I mean, feel sorry for. We, we feel sorry. I know you do too for anybody that, that, that dies. sucked. Right. But, but it was this idea that David Koresh was able to convince all these people, basically, to isolate themselves in this compound, gather up all of these weapons, and that was kind of the heart of the matter. Right. And that then... He used all these women. He sexually exploited all these women as his spiritual wives. So he was having sex with like dozens of women. Oh, I don't or? know. I don't know the number, but it was a lot. Isn't it funny how sex plays a big role in a ton of these cults? It's like a it's like a, a guy, and it's usually guys. Oh yeah, who are very charismatic, who are able to convince people, "Hey, come join me." And then he just bangs all the chicks. Yeah. In fact, I, I want to go do some research and find out if any huge right. cult was ever headed by a woman. I don't ever remember I don't any. recall, no. Which is, God, that says a lot. Yeah, that was it, bad. It was a 51-day standoff. What was it? They shot in some... That's right. They caught something on fire. Was it fire, like flashbangs Flash or something? Bangs. And yep. it caught something on fire. And it set the whole what, Does it say what year that happened? That was in 1993. Okay. So I was just out of college. And you yeah. were probably in high school? I was in... Elementary school? Oh, I was in third grade. Oh, my gosh, Jose. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm old. Yeah. So you didn't even... 
probably you probably I was aware you of it. you of all people would have been aware of it but most people would be yeah that was heavy and of course it happened in Waco which a lot of people termed Waco, Waco. after that Waco, um, Waco. and of course one of our presidents has a ranch in Waco so I've always kind of kind of equated right was it Waco w? yeah it's W and so well, yeah, interesting. But see, that, and that's okay. This is kind of a tangent, but it was the Waco standoff that inspired Timothy McVeigh oh, to then do the Oklahoma City bombing. That's right. Yes, he was one of the. Um, he was pissed. He was pissed. He was one of the true believers who were standing outside of Waco. Not that he of, was like a correct believer. He didn't no. think that the government should have been so forceful. He thought the government was over was overplaying its, yeah. its hand. Yeah. And I think it's I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I do too. But come on, you don't kill innocent people. That's fair to say. Off. Right. Which is happening. And I mean, gosh, this is another episode. But all the domestic terrorism, which we don't call. Domestic terrorism. Well, he's white, so right. You can't <laughs> just can't. The white people can't be terrorists. No, they're just they have mental illness. Right. That is the out, isn't it? That's the out. They're mentally ill. Jeez. Um, can you think of any other cults? Okay, I want to bring up some mainstream, but we already talked about the fundamentalist Mormons. Right. I want to talk about, and this is gonna. Man, I hope certain people that I know don't hear this. I'll beep but, it out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, is it Jehovah's Witnesses that don't allow their kids to get medicines? Is it Jehovah's? Or I is believe it... so, and blood transfusions. Yeah. Does that violate any of those three cultish principles? Or um... I would think you're putting your kids' lives at risk, though. Yeah. Or I mean, anyone's I, that's, I guess that's not a cult. But to me, like, when you're doing so... – I wish they would add a fourth criteria, which mm-hmm. would be – criterion, which would be if you – Disregard basic science, well founded. I'm not talking about anything that is controversial, right? But you know, come on, you got to give your kids medicine. Well, and there's other so Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons have their issues. <laughs> I won't get into it. I don't want to offend anyone. But then also there are some Christian groups that I mean they're on the periphery. They're not. I think they're growing in numbers, but I think they're total cults. Ah, oh, now we're getting juicy. What so, are they? I don't even want to name them. <laughs> That's how Come on, is. this is the podcast where we talk about impolite things. True. So there are these groups. So first of all, one of them is called Word of Faith. I think I mentioned them before. Where it's like, if you just say it, and you say it with faith, it's going to come true. Well, that's super, super provable. It disprovable. Is. Super disprovable. And nobody will... Believe the dispositives exactly because oh what, the, what happens what is, is it, this is they say, Well, I just didn't have enough faith. Oh, that's the out. Oh, that's the out. Easy, easy. If I had enough of faith, course. then I would XYZ, right? But I know people who are in these groups, and we have them locally. Who, so one person in particular, I won't name them, they were having some mental, emotional issues, but. To the point where they were, like, considering suicide. Wow. Right? But they did not seek psychiatric help. Instead, for a year, part of this Word of Faith group, they were getting prayed over. And they were just waiting for the point when they would have enough faith to dispel those, the, de- the depression, the suicidal thoughts. See? So they could have killed themselves. Yeah. See, this During is, this point. I mean, I'm totally fine with the government stepping in at this point saying... You are an accessory to not murder, but to suicide. But how many? Point. But there's you see these reports occasionally, and they're from these. They're people who are in these groups who think I'm not going to take my child to the hospital. I'm not going to give them medicine. I'm going to pray over them instead. And if I have enough faith, they'll be cured of whatever. Yeah. And these kids end up dying. Well, do you, I got to ask you, like. It's, it's, it's so easy for us to just castigate these people and just, how do you fall into what, like, psychological mode? How is, what's, what are we, how are we failing? Very successful people fall into cults all the they time. Do. And, like, what, what is it about society that can produce somebody that can fall into this bull? Like, I, to me, again, we keep on going back to this. 
People don't live by logic. They don't. They don't, they don't believe in testing things. They don't believe in, in like, it's so easy to test the whole faith thing. In what are this, Word that? of faith. Word of faith group. I mean, uh, I think it's a failing in education. I've said this before. I think we're getting better at yeah. insisting on kids, producing evidence for things. And it's a great thing in education. Yeah. But so, what other things are we doing in, in society where these people can slip into such bullshit, some obvious ridiculousness? Right. I don't know. It, it, you look at, so for example, A&E has a whole series on this Word of Faith group. It's called, I think, The Devil Next Door. And it's these people that get sucked into this group. They're brainwashed. They have leaders. If you're not on board fully, you're shunned. And this becomes a whole mindset of like, well, I have to believe. I have to believe this or I'm going to hell. It's this whole, it's all fear-based. And, and belongingness. And belongingness. And if, if I'm not, if my cancer is not cured, it's because I don't have faith. Yeah. Instead of like, yeah, pray for it. Sure. But get your ass to the doctor and yeah. get chemo. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Benjamin Franklin was so smart when he said, "Jesus, God helps people that help themselves." To yeah. an extent, that's true. Like, yeah. And then Pope Francis even said, "Like, yeah, authentic prayer is you pray for it, and then you actually take concrete steps. Yep. And that's God's way of working in you, through you, yeah. and allowing other people to participate in answering yeah. your prayer. The doctors, the, the doctors. nurses, exactly. It's They're, not some mystical crap. It's not like." Ta-da, you're cured. No, yeah. it's other people are part of yeah. your journey, your yeah. whatever it is. Too much magic. Yeah, it's crazy. Ah, it blows my mind. Yeah. Did you, um, have you seen the new Tarantino movie? No. The new Tarantino, was that not about Manson? It was. And Manson's Manson. whole shtick was, I don't even know. So Charles Manson was a cult leader who was who was sexually exploiting all right. the women. There's sex again, right? Again, and right. these people were totally brainwashed. They were on board with his program, which was to initiate violence to start a race riot that would upend basically the United States. And they were, in a sense, race. I mean, they were supremacists. See, because he's got that big swastika on his forehead, yeah, I right? I think so. Like he wanted I didn't to start put together a riot. the whole race thing. Yeah. He wanted to start like an upheaval of warfare between whites and blacks. Yes. Yeah. You get yeah. fear. Mm-hmm. You put together that with sex, and then you get a little bit of race and belongingness in right. there. That's a potent mix. So drugs. maybe these cult guys are pretty smart after all. Yeah, drugs. And then drugs on top of it. Yeah. Now, Jim Jones's group, and most cults, they probably don't use drugs as much as... Um, probably not. It's Manson. Manson, yeah. It, so it is, it becomes this whole, I'm putting, I'm investing my whole identity in this person that I worship as though they were a god, and everything they say is gospel. Yeah. You know, I got to talk about that, because as a human, there's got to be so much relief when you get to say, ah, oh, give it all to you. Yes. It's going to follow you, you don't have to make any decisions. Decisions weigh on the brain and make us tired and pissed off. And when you can just say, hey, tell me what to do. Yeah. You know? Freedom sucks in some ways. It does. It's, it's a burden. Yeah. When you have to exercise your free will. It's hard. Choices. It tires us out. It's easier to go, you know what, Charles Manson... Tell me what to do, right? And but usually a lot of these people, so like Jim Jones or um, like Heaven's Gate with this guy Marshall Applewhite. Oh, Heaven's um, Gate. Yeah. All these people, they also project this idea of like everything is going to. Sh- oh yeah. And I have the answer. Yeah. And I'm going to bring you an exodus, if you will. Yeah. Right. So Jim Jones, drink the cyanide. I think the same thing with Heaven's Gate, right? They all they all drink have something. their um, alcohol, phenobarbital, applesauce with their Nike shoes on. That's right. <laughs> and they often are really bizarre like yeah. that. And they were trying to join the Haley Bop comment or something. Yes. That one is the Nike shoes. You, we shouldn't laugh about that, but that is so it's, hilarious. The Nike shoes. I think because of the Nike People swoosh. laying there on their bunk beds with their Nike shoes and their swish. What was it about the swish? What? I think it was supposed to imitate what a... Nike? What, the god of speed? I think it's supposed to look like the oh. meteor or something. Oh, oh man. So they had people. So it's like, oh, the we world's going there. to sh- I have the solution to escape the apocalypse. 
I'm offering you right. salvation. Right, right. Right? So people who are willing to die right. to pursue a man yes. who offered them salvation, I yes. guess. Yeah, it's... Anyway, that cult, you know what? If you know of a cult that we have not discussed because they are so fun, please send us a little note. Oh, please. Because I love, I will absolutely Google the hell out of it yeah. and just, I will go down a rabbit hole and it's so fun. And please send us on Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, because that's yeah. good stuff. But would you also say that the whole MAGA, Trump... Oh, yeah. We got to get into that real quick. That's a cult. Come on. Okay. We got the personality... Um, the iconography of the person. Where Trump himself says, I could shoot somebody on... That is so true. Yeah. I mean, there are a certain population... Not all of them, but there's a certain percentage of Trump devotees mm-hmm. that would totally support him after him murdering somebody on Fifth Avenue. Yeah. So we got that. What was the second one? And then he's a he's a sexual predator. Okay. Well, there's that. Right? You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the p- and and then, then, what, what, was the that brainwashing. The brainwashing. One? Okay, the, the brainwashing. brainwashing. Okay. So... Is Twitter his vehicle for that? I think so. Yeah. Because I'll talk to people and they repeat his mantras, if you will. They repeat his Twitter. Yeah. Right? So, like, if you say, well, actually what you're saying, Mr. President, is false, is fake news, you're fake news. Right. No, 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 no. You're actually promoting fake news. No, no, no. You're fake news. Right. Is a facet of cults uh, just completely bearing your head as far as the facts? I mean, because, I mean, people don't encounter the facts at all face on. Here's one that is kind of non-cultish. The lack of, I guess, of Trump's loyalty to the people under him, right. but the loyalty of people under him to him. That's, I mean, he has gotten rid of literally 10 times as many underlings as any other mm-hmm. president, right? Totally. I, don't, I wonder if, if, if um, a cult head often does that to solidify their power, you know? I would imagine they would. Like the loyalty goes up, it right. doesn't go down. Right, it's not reciprocated. Right. So I can see where a cult leader, for example, might—I don't know—kind of look to get rid of their deputies. Yeah. Or like other potential leaders. Or anybody who's not completely loyal. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I think that I—I kind of remember that of of some of the cult leaders in the past. They they will brook no disloyalty at all. Right. So this kind of maybe it's a tangent, but. You know, I recently went to the Scientology building with a friend of mine. Oh, yeah. Scientology's massive cult. But David Miscavige, who's kind of like the quote-unquote hope of Scientology, right? He's the leader. He does it all the time. Like, he's famous for just beating his deputies or associates behind closed doors. He's basically locked his wife, Shelly, up. Locked her away. No one knows where she is. And basically shunned his own father for questioning him. To me, it's like... Shame on them for not calling out. Mm-hmm. Do they? Or maybe they have, and they haven't been as publicized. A lot of them eventually come around, and they've been on that uh, Leah Remini show, or Leah Remini show, Scientology. Mm. And they've come out and said things like, yeah, I have no idea what I was thinking. Like, why didn't I speak up soon? Yeah. I mean, well, maybe we need to give those people more publicity. It's just the cult leaders get so much because they're such right. freaks, and it's such sensationalism. Here's another aspect of the whole Trump cult personality thing. Yeah. The the wearing of, of certain uniforms is super... Yes. I mean, the, the hat is the only one I can think of other than pure Nazi garb. Right. But, I mean, the, the hat is a full-on symbol, isn't it? It's so interesting. That's going to go down in history as, you know, the red hat. I uh, had this red hat that my kids... It's because my kids go to the Santa Maria High School, which is, you know, red. Mm-hmm. And my kids, my old sons said, Dad, you can't wear that. Out in public, even though it said Saints real small on it. Yeah. Because, and then I got thinking, I'm like, oh, crap, you're right. I cannot wear this hat out in public. I wouldn't. I won't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe they need to think about rebranding to where it's a white hat with red letters. Yeah. No, it's All these red schools are going to have to get rid of their red hats. Because now, whenever I'm out in public and I see someone wearing a red hat. You check it out. I check it out. I, like, will rubberneck and look. Does that say MAGA on it? Yeah, Totally. Oh my goodness! And and you know, it's. I think the red hat will kind of go down with the brown shirts. Oh, absolutely! And the like jack boots. Yes. Yep. You and know. the hoods, the white hoods, you can put them all in a museum together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just in a row. 
Yep. The, the evolution of yep. hatred or something. Yep. Okay. Here's another one. Models. Mm. Right. They're so good at encapsulating really, right. um, I guess, models that, that really grab your, your make America great again. That was actually stolen, right? From who? Was it Hitler? Hitler said yeah. it, right. And, and they are so Orwellian in their language. So that's another huge, they're just experts right. though in language. But they're packed full of meaning. Yes. Like that's, they call that like a dog whistle. Because you or I, a normal human being, will hear that and not understand or hear, I guess, the hidden meaning. Yeah. Like the Trump supporters, when they hear Make America Great Again, it's packed full of, you know, yeah. anti-immigrant, xenophobic, anti-gay, like the whole list. And they're just barely crossing the line to where they can always pass it off as, as nothing. Right. It, there's no that, proof. Yeah. There's that, that plausible deniability. Right. But uh, And then I think we mentioned already the whole sex thing. A lot of the cult leaders will use their followers as sex objects. Kind of yeah. like Manson, I'm assuming. Just had free reign with all the chicks. Yes. And Trump is definitely, um, he's definitely had his sexual escapades. Isn't there also kind of a, and I don't know this of Trump supporters, but of lots of cult leaders where they have uh, their their followers sort of have the same sense of style as them. Maybe they wear their <laughs> their hair yeah. long or... Long they, ties. Yeah, or ties. Ill-fitting yeah. suits. Yeah. There, there for sure was with um, Manson leaders and with uh, Koresh people. Oh, man. I don't, I don't see that with Trump, but yeah. But I, I don't know. I think maybe, it, if not, it's maybe not the outfits, just the persona. Like, I'm encountering so many more people now who are willing to just be brazen. Yeah. Like, they didn't even try to hide it or mask, you know, how they just have disdain for certain groups of people. Yeah. They feel like it's okay now because, you know, Trump's doing it. He's kind of setting the tone. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think, I, I, and I don't want to offend any listener, I guess, who supports Trump. But at the same time. I do. I don't mind it. I, <laughs> I want to, I want any Trump supporter to, to first of all, to hate me or um, I'll find hating the show. I can't believe anybody would watch the show. Why would they be in the show? <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm so sorry for saying that. But yeah, I just always feel so sheepish about this show. But anyway, I I truly would love it if Trump ever yeah. personally called me out. That would be uh, one of the great things in my life. And yeah. Trump lovers calling me out would, would is always like a part. feather in my cap. Yeah. And you funny. feel the same way, right? I kind of do. I was thinking about this like... I just, but you're on social media a lot more, and so it's a lot more ticklish with you. Well, I, well okay. So I was going to say that I just joined Twitter, all right? And so I've been recently retweeting President Trump. What? <laughs> not As a joke. Not retweeting, but... Um, what liking him. Not liking him. <laughs> adding him, I guess. Okay, like right. A-T at. Like, at him. At him. Oh, because... So I'm responding to tweets okay, that gotcha, he posts gotcha. and say, like, That's, you're, you're see, a f- idiot. Okay. I don't, I'm learning myself. I'm twatting at him, and I'm, <laughs> I'm saying things. Is that, is that a thing? I don't know. I don't That's know. funny. I, I think it might be tweeting. I don't know. Anyway, I'm responding to his crazy tweets on Twitter, and um, I'm just waiting for him to respond to me. Damn, and that would be such a feather in your cap. That would be. I would, I would screen capture that and print it out. So, no, I, I think, you know, yeah, maybe I'm fine it? offending Trump people, but mm. it's like, come on, people. Jeez. Use your brain. <sighs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I just keep on wondering what we're screwing up on in education. I don't know that we do enough critical thinking in education. I, I think right. we do. You and I, we do. We're passionate about that, but I don't know that we do. I don't know that we have enough debates in education where we force people to come up with their own arguments. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and kids these days are totally going to be looking everything up online instead of using their yeah. own brain to think of their own arguments. So the problem with that, though, too, now the internet is just rife with misinformation. Ooh. So I did a whole thing on you know the flat Earth theory, mm. and I had some kids kind of gently push back, like, "Well, what if it's true?" and I'm like, are you serious right now? Or are you trying to mess with me? And I think they were serious. Like they were kind of believing the flat earth theory. What did you do? I pretty much scold them and say, well, only an idiot would believe that. Yeah. <laughs> We've been to the moon. We've seen the earth. It's round. Yeah. It's spherical. Yeah. I mean, you can give them so, but you can only do so much, huh? Yeah. But I, I, and so that's the thing. Like, I guess if we want to kind of wrap up the cult yeah. segment, I mean, 
what do we do? We need to teach yeah, what is the solution? good reasoning. Yeah. We need to debate. We need to encourage them to look up information that's true and accurate. Yeah. Be able to sift between the garbage and, you know, the, the treasure. And, like, if you're an existentialist like me, <laughs> teach that there is no authority except for yourself. Yeah. You've got to get to the truth <laughs> on your own. Right. And that requires you to just to inform yourself and be a good critical thinker. Ah, it's, uh, it's tough. Well, I guess that's true. That would work for to a certain point. Because with cult people, what they end up doing is they surrender reason right. or they surrender all authority. personal authority to that authority, to yeah. the cult leader, to the Mansons, to the Jonestown guy, to the Hale Bop Nike shoe guy and yeah. whatever their names are. But yeah. yeah. So hopefully. The human predicament. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we um, are able to get to a point where we're through and past cults. Yeah. They're super fascinating. Super, like, what, what about cults super. are fascinating to you? I'm uh, really interested, for one, in knowing if cults are increasing in numbers or decreasing. Mm. I have a feeling they're decreasing because I can't stand being a pessimist when I'm wrong. If you're going to be a pessimist, you better be damn right about it. Right. And people usually, when they're pessimistic about things, about facts, they're actually wrong about it. Mm-hmm. So I bet that cults are decreasing in numbers. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we haven't seen a cult to the extent that we've seen with, like, Heaven's Gate or Jonestown, where you have, like, mass suicides. Yeah, but a long time. Yeah, I don't remember the last time. Yeah. There was, that happened pretty much once every five years when I was growing up. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's All right, cults. They suck. Don't join them. <laughs> don't join them. All right, so this is a segment of the show when Jose and I talk about books, music, and articles um, that we've been enjoying lately. And I'll start it off, Jose, with two today, real quick. The Watchmen, which I come to find that you have actually been into for years. And I always knew that it was a comic first or as a big um, graphic novel Mm -hmm. and uh, now HBO just released their first episode and it was really good you say it had nothing to do earlier with racial aspects the racial aspects in HBO's new series are fascinating and uh, make it really interesting to me I did not know that there was a gigantic massacre of black people in Tulsa, Oklahoma back in the 1920s that's what the series starts with so I kind of did some research and um, it actually happened. But the show is really, really hmm. topical. It's futuristic. It's interesting. I had very confusing as somebody who doesn't know anything about Watchmen. Um, definitely go watch it if you have HBO. If you can scam it off your friends. <laughs> and then the other one that I've been totally binging on is Mindhunter. And oh, I love so the main character so much. I totally feel like I'm him. Yeah. Because he always tells jokes straight-faced. Not jokes, but half jokes, straight face. I love that about his character. And I don't remember his name. I'm horrible about that. But I love um, the show and I forgot his name too. So. Yeah, he's, he's a great actor. Yeah. All the acting is super good. And the episode I just got done with is questioning whether a principal should be tickling his oh. elementary uh, kid's feet. And it yeah. was fascinating because the guy could have been legit, but back then it would have been passed over, it would have been glossed over. Today, the guy, just for doing that, could have and probably should have yeah. should be thrown in jail because like today we're looking at things and it just makes you realize man things change today that yeah. guy be goners oh yeah well you'll have to keep watching yeah I because that storyline comes back later in the series did I completely I just ruined it maybe for Why? somebody no I actually did good. I didn't tell anybody what happened to him that's yeah. season two yeah. And that, that storyline, I think, resumes at the end of season oh, two or season I, three. You screwed me up tonight because I'm going to be up till two getting there. I'm only like <laughs> oh, no. just into it. Yeah. It's okay. so good. I've been watching it. I can't it. wait for that storyline to pick up again. It's so good. But yeah. um, no, so Mindhunter, I read the book. What? Yes. It's by John Douglas. I didn't know there was one. And John Douglas, I'm assuming the main character of the show is probably like him. 
but like with a different name. They probably changed his name. But it's all about him basically beginning the whole behavioral science unit. And it's a real deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. His book is just like a memoir. And then they based the whole show. And of course, he ex- extrapolated and made up facts and stuff to fit the, me- the memoir. But I, was, I wanted to do that for my career when I was in high wow. school. And then the more I started researching, I'm like, this is too dark. I can't. Yeah, like that, that new guy in their office who was listening to stuff on tapes and he yes. had a breakdown. <laughs> he stayed with them. But. Yeah. And I like the older kind of curmudgeonly yes. guy who's with them. Yes. Because he has like no chill. Yes. But the, the main character, yes. I forget his name, but uh, he loves like with these serial killers. Yes, I love it. And he's got no, he's got no compunction about you know, using really gnarly language and stuff like yeah. that. He's almost autistic in his lack of feeling for for those yeah. things. He's slightly autistic in that sense. Was there you know, was me? Did you see that one where there was like some like white trash dude in some podunk town? Yeah. Where he's like going, oh man, that young dude. Yeah, she's like yeah, fourteen, and, it. and it's like the guy's like getting in. So yeah, yeah, she's fourteen. That's legal. And then, and I was so pissed that they were pissed at him for doing that, and that he capitulated by by getting rid of the tape. But at the same time, that strategy yeah. totally got the guy to like confess exactly, to murdering yeah. the girl. That's the whole deal. I, don't, I was like, I don't know if it's one of those the means justify the ends yes, things. Yes. I guess that I that's where it gets ticklish and tricky. Yeah, ticklish. Yeah, yeah. There you go. But it's it's got such it. a good show. Such a good show. Yes. Check it out. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Sorry, I feel Super like I totally good. jumped in on you. No, I'm glad you did. <laughs> I didn't even. We haven't even talked. We haven't talked much lately, Jose. So oh, I know that that we'll we'll talk more about it. I'm gonna get your input on all the stuff that I'm watching tonight, nice. late into the morning, lunch tomorrow. What do you got? Um, right now, I've been listening to a couple of podcasts. So one I'm listening to is called The Office Ladies. Ah, it's got Angela Kinsey and Jenna Fisher. So Angela, of course, played Angela, and Jenna Fisher played Pam. Now you realize you just screwed my own sons <laughs> out of good, better grades because when I tell them, and I have to tell them about yeah. this, they're going to binge on this oh, podcast. I'm going to binge on this too. Actually, they're such nerds about Office. They know they play That's trivia funny. all the time. It's yes. ridiculous. Your sons are awesome. You got to you got to play a game with them. So oh, what's yeah. the, what is it? Uh, so the premise? these two gals who are on the show as major characters are now going to watch every episode of The Office. And relate like the behind the scenes stuff on the podcast. Oh man! So it's all the background, all the extra information that you don't get in the show. Nice. So yeah, and that's the one thing. Office ladies. Office ladies. But these are just fans, right? No, it's it's actually like Angela and Pam. Oh no! Yeah, that is so great because they got the inside scoop. Yeah, and they're actual friends. Yeah, like in real life, they're friends. All right, Angela is the straight lace. Little Jeez short lady, yeah. And Pam is the secretary at the front desk. Okay, who ends up I mean, hooking up with Jim? The show really yeah. do enough for that. Okay. <laughs> so and then, what was the other one? The second one is I have some friends who have podcasts as well. Nice. Um, my buddy Nicholas Stewart and his wife Megan have a podcast. One of them they actually have two. One of them is called um, "Are the Kids Asleep Yet?" Ah. And it's just the two of them just bull. And talking about whatever happens to come to mind. And they both have great voices for podcasts. Nice. And their chemistry is just so – well, obviously they're married and so they're, you know, intimate. And I was commenting like, well, I can't be intimate with Joel. So I don't <laughs> – No, but I'm interested. Do they bring up the fact that like when the kids can finally go to sleep that they're able to kind of cut loose? and, and Yes. And the fact – and the Drink and – Yeah, the realities of being a new parent or a parent. And how they're – yeah, they sacrifice that little bit of time. Yeah. You know, when the kids go to sleep to when they go to sleep. There's, when the parents are asleep? Well, what's the name of the podcast? Oh, Are the Kids Asleep? Are the Kids – what a great, great premise. Yeah, because they have four kids. Nice. Yeah. And the other one they do with their sister, it's called Me – my brother's wife and him. It's super weird how they me do it. Me is who? Me. The me would be my buddy Nicholas's sister. Okay. And, and then my brother's, my brother's wife okay, gotcha. would be Megan. Gotcha. And the brother, the him, would be Nicholas. And is it a totally different premise than the other one? Or it's very similar. Okay. But um, it's with the sister. I can't and wait so to they talk to they talk politics, they talk movies. Nice. Yeah. Podcasts are so hot right now. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. And so I'm totally inspired by them right now because they're parents. They have four kids and they have two podcasts. So the one with the sister, it seems to be more 
comedic. Sometimes they took political things and movies. But Are the Kids Asleep Yet is the one with just Nicholas and his wife, Megan. And uh, it's just kind of random. So they're both kind of just, they're fun people and they're kind of... Um, they're thoughtful and they're, they're insightful and... Very. But like they can also be crass. I like which that is lot. amazing. They just speak the truth. They're genuine. They have great voices for podcasting. It's like, damn, like they could be hired to do voice acting or they could be on NPR or something. Were they born that way or did they, do they change their voices? For the I, don't, I don't know them personally. Wow. Like in person, I know them through the Facebook world. We're part of this. I met them through this um, Catholic Facebook group. Mm-hmm. We're called the um, Chill Semi-Political Catholic Geeks. <laughs> no way. Yeah, the CSPCG. So we call ourselves the Chillians. And, um, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's a nice little enclave of just reasonable, chill Catholics who aren't all mental and right. anti-Francis and pro-Trump. So I met them through there. And uh, awesome people. Super cool. I feel like I know them already because generally all the Catholics I went to high school at a Catholic high school with are very, very, very sensible. They are. They're not like evan- hard right evangelicals at all. No, they, that would not be a way to describe them <laughs> at all. But they're lovely people and hopefully someday I'll get to meet them. And yeah, that'd be cool. So check out their podcasts. Make sure you listen to The Office Ladies. Oh, I can't wait to listen to that. Yeah. That's going to be fun. And then check out um, HBO's Watchmen. Mm-hmm. I'll go watch that. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, Mine Hunter. Mine Hunter, very cool. So good. Especially if you love serial killers. And that's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us on our humble little podcast. You could do us a huge favor, though, by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, or iTunes. And please be sure to rate our show and leave a review. Your rating will help others find our show. And be sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation on Tap. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Cheers! What? Mm-hmm.